There's no secret formula for scaling support and boosting customer satisfaction. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot, bringing service and support together in one powerful platform so you can deliver the best experiences possible and free up reps' time with an AI-powered help desk. Also, you can keep customers happy. Secrets out. Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Tuesday, January 2nd. I'm John Weigel here with Martina Bratou, and this is The Hustle Daily Show. We're kicking off the new year with an ever-changing topic, AI. Yes, we're back at it again with the AI. We'll be back with the news tomorrow, but today we're tackling what 2024 has in store for the fast-expanding tech phenomenon and how you may be affected at work or at home. So let's get into it. Welcome back, Martita. Welcome, welcome. Great to have you back. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yes, of course. Excited to chat all things AI with you. You're kind of our resident AI expert here, so uh, excited to dig into everything. First thing, we're here to talk about 2024 mainly, but you know we would be remiss if we didn't round mm-hmm. up 2023 a little bit. So in the past year, what was your favorite new use of AI that you saw in 2023? Because there's been a lot of more public adoption in 2023, a lot more people using mm-hmm. AI regularly. Has there Has there been anything you've seen that you have a favorite use of or has maybe changed some lives in your opinion this past year? So I don't know if it's changing lives and people might think this is silly, but for me, seeing my parents use ChatGPT has just never gotten old because I think technology has been this thing that kind of separates generations and we're kind of seeing this chatbot being leveraged by anyone and everyone. And so I don't know, it's pretty cool to me and it's just remained with everything else that's come out, the AI pins, the just everything that has been the one thing that I think I keep coming back to. You know, that's really funny that you bring that up. I actually had the same experience this past year with mm-hmm. I, I found my father and he was using ChatGPT and he was like, hey, uh, I actually ran a bunch of things on ChatGPT to give us more like board game scenarios <laughs> or like for Dungeons and Dragons. And he was telling me like, yeah, I, do, I keep like looking at it and like keep typing and stuff for mm-hmm. scenarios for that. It's pretty, it's pretty useful. <laughs> like, I know. Wow. It's like, who yeah. would have thought that we would be having conversations with our parents about AI and it wouldn't be us trying to explain just this concept yes. that's so foreign. Now we're just, yes. ha- yeah, you use ChatGPT. What'd you use it for? It's so accessible to everyone. I think that's what I love. Right. It's not like a, a what's that anymore. It's right. more like a, oh, How what are, are you doing with it? it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, that's it. really cool. I'm glad you brought that up. Also something this past year that was pretty crazy, the Sam Altman OpenAI stuff at the near the end of the Oof. year, November, early December. Yeah, it got crazy a little bit there. That was a doozy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People came in and out the door a lot of times, a big revolving door in the front of the OpenAI office. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you think that they're kind of back on track for 2024? Where do you kind of see them shaking out in this coming year? I'd say so. So part of Sam Altman, the CEO and co-founder coming back was restructuring the board, which I think leaves him in even better position than he was in 2023. So Mm -hmm. before the board was largely made up of AI researchers who just tend to be a little bit more conservative with their approach. And now he has full, you know, the board is full of allies. And so I think this is just setting him and the company up to be in a position to dominate 2024, just like they did in 2023. Yeah, you know, I, I I heard a lot about how AI researchers or people on the board previously were 
very conservative mm-hmm. in terms of AI versus him or Sam Altman trying to get more of an aggressive point across with AI. Do you have an a, opinion on that or do you know anything about that conflict, I guess, between being conservative towards how we develop AI and being aggressive? Yeah, I think it's tricky. I think every company kind of wants to find the balance. They want to push the boundaries. They want to be the first to do it and get everybody thinking like they're an innovator in the sector. But then obviously you think about how dangerous, you know, AI can be in certain sectors. So I completely understand how researchers are a little bit more cautious. They want to make sure that before products are available for commercial use, that we're making sure that it's safe and that people aren't going to take advantage of it. But you also want to push the boundaries and experiment. So it's kind of a hard conversation to have. And I think that's what the board was facing before. We had written about how Sam Altman and one of his former board members, Helen Toner, who was on the board previously, um, had written a paper talking about AI safety. And apparently that created a conflict with Sam Altman and the rest of his board members. And now she's not there anymore. And so I think that kind of brings up, right, I think that brings up a conversation (laughs) and a point to where he kind of falls in this conversation. And... You know, ideally, there's going to be a balance struck. But now it's kind of the Wild West. There's not really any regulation. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But there's not any firm stance that the government or globally that we're taking on AI. So it kind of leaves it up to the companies to decide what's going to be our approach here. And so it makes things mm-hmm. a little bit tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm sure it does. That that kind of company versus government kind of dynamic that Mm -hmm. we're definitely going to dive into in a minute. Uh, But something else that I wanted to talk about, kind of going back to what we said about 2023, your favorite part of AI in 2023, is there anything that you're excited to see improved upon in 2024? Any kind of facet of AI that you think will get a lot better this year? Well, I'm really hoping that AI is just going to improve accessibility for folks you know, folks who are deaf, hard of hearing, have low or no vision, or just have any disability that's impacting their life. I think there's such a gap in access and there's so much work to be done that I'm hoping AI is going to bridge that gap and make it a little bit easier for everyone. So that's what I'm hoping. (laughs) Now, on a personal note, I'm hoping that smart home gadgets and digital assistants like Siri and Alexa are just going to do better. I'm so tired of Siri being mediocre after seeing (laughs) what ChatGPT can do. And maybe this is a hot take, but I'm just ready for digital assistants to get an upgrade. I I hope it does. And, you know, it makes sense that they would considering that, you know, Google, for example, like Google Home. Right. I'm sure like Google's working on Google Bard right now. So that is kind of a great facet of something that could be sent into people's homes using Mm -hmm. Google Home. By the way, uh, through this conversation, we've woken up everybody's house. Um, So sorry, everybody out (laughs) there. (laughs) Alexa and Sierra are like, wait, did you call me? No, we didn't. Hello? Hello? No, we did not. No, you're not needed right now. (laughs) I know. And when you are needed, you don't answer. So let's get it together, please. It's very annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've recently become um, an Alexa adopter and I, I I honestly would rather not have it. I'd, I'd rather just get up and put the light switch on myself. Every single time I use Siri, I'm reminded why I don't use Siri, because there hasn't been a single time where I've picked up my phone and I said, hey, Siri, you know, what time does the store close or what's this? What's that? And Siri just offers no insight, no help. And so Never. I'm hoping this is going to change this year. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, too. <laughs> Now, back to what we were touching on before about government restrictions. I mean, really sticky subject when it comes to AI. Is there any movement to restrict AI activity right now that you're looking at? Or is it 
going to be this kind of wait and see game that we've been playing all 2023, you think, for this year? So in the U.S., things are really messy when it comes to AI regulation. There's no federal law, like I mentioned before, that regulates AI. So we saw in October that President Biden had released this executive order where he basically just directed federal agencies to implement these initiatives that's going to make AI safe and responsible. Like, for example, the Secretary of Labor was tasked with submitting a report that's going to evaluate the impact of AI on the labor market. So things like how many workers are being displaced by the adoption of AI and, you know, how AI is being used to evaluate employees' performance. But beyond that executive order, each state is kind of doing its own thing. Last year, we spoke to a lawyer who said that right now there's kind of a patchwork of existing laws that could apply to some of the risk of using AI, like you know, discrimination, privacy laws, things like that, but nothing that relates to the AI technology itself. Right now, we have three states that have some of the biggest bills on AI. So that's Maryland, California, and Massachusetts. But again, they only have them for very specific use cases. So at this Mm. point, long-winded way to say that we're still kind of in this wait-and-see game with restrictions on AI, but things are moving forward. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So yeah, kind of more of the same, essentially. Some specifics coming down from certain states, mm-hmm. as I'm sure we'll see more of this year. And you did mention the labor market a minute ago, and I really want to kind of zero in on that. Uh, how do you think this will impact jobs? How do you think AI will impact jobs this year? And that's kind of in terms of many things like people potentially losing jobs, people gaining jobs, or it could even mean people acquiring new skills to operate. AI Mm -hmm. and kind of maybe that being taught in schools even. Uh, What do you think about that? Yeah. So I think we saw last year that AI was already impacting jobs. So late last year, Salesforce released a report that found that over 50% of employees globally are using unapproved AI tools. So they're saying it's making them more productive and more engaged at work. But the problem is companies aren't providing enough structure and training for how to use AI safely and ethically. So employees are just taking it into their own hands. But I think in This year, in 2024, we're going to see employers just take a more active approach on how to use AI. You know, this year has been a lot of experimentation. Well, last year was a lot of experimentation. And this year, we're going to see employers just taking a more active approach and really setting guidelines for how they want their employees using it. Now, in terms of using AI to upskill, I definitely think that now that some of the fear and confusion around AI has dissipated a little bit, I think we're going to see more employees using it. And that could be using AI to give them some time back to focus on more important tasks. But if you're in the tech world, I could definitely see folks using the sudden boom in AI to launch their career forward. So maybe they're taking courses or certificates on machine learning and model development, things like that, that are really going to set them apart and help them make a step up in their career. Yeah, that totally makes sense that something like that would explode this year. And kind of start ramping up is just the adoption of AI as that's grown. People in the job market are going to start looking for that on resumes even. And kind of considering that we we just did touch on uh, public acceptance and the adoption of AI, do you also see that opening up a bit more this year? We saw even our parents uh, started using ChatGPT yep. in 2023. So do you think that's that bodes well? And do you think there's going to be even more integration into our society from AI? Definitely. I think 2023 was the year of just trying to figure out what AI meant for us. You know, I was finding myself having conversations at every gathering with my family and my friends about what does AI mean for us? 
you know, talking about our fears. Are we going to lose our jobs? Is it going to cause more harm than good? What about data privacy? Just having all of these open conversations. And I imagine it was the same for you and a lot of people who are listening to this. And, you know, last summer, the Pew Research Center found that half of Americans were more concerned than excited about the use of AI in daily life. But as you and I talked about with our parents, I think slowly but surely adoption has gone up now that we see that AI can be this accessible thing that we can use in our daily life. And it's not this scary thing that feels so far away and disconnected from us. So I definitely see folks adopting AI more this year. Yeah, and it's definitely, it has evolved quite a bit throughout the last year because at first, you know, there was kind of a tentativeness, as you mentioned, to mm-hmm. kind of adopting it and a bit of a fear of, you know, what's this going to do to me or what's this going to do to our lives as we know them. But mm-hmm. <laughs> there have also been some very, let's say, surface level adoptions as well. Like, oh, I don't, like, I could just search, I don't know, make me a photo about an ostrich eating a croissant right. in France. And it, yeah, I could just get that now. And mm-hmm. I've been seeing that everywhere now, all over TikTok, all over like YouTube shorts of people just making these wild images, wild songs, doing the voice AI converting, right. converting to like make a weekend song, a Drake song or whatever you have. What is your take on what this is going to do to art in the future? Because it, it does seem like it's already sort of started to move some things in certain directions. Even this mm-hmm. past year, I believe Grimes, came out and said that if anybody makes an AI song, she will happily license it as her music and give them some sort of royalties from it. So just in terms of music and art and, you know, even pictures, what do you think is to come? Honestly, I don't think everybody feels like Grime does. I don't think every artist feels that way. I don't think so (laughs) either. I think most of them feel the opposite way. You know, I think when you're talking about AI and art specifically, the biggest thing is copyright infringement. So a lot of artists are feeling like their work is being stolen and repurposed without their permission. So OpenAI right now is facing multiple lawsuits for this exact reason. And what's funny is they even pledged to help other companies using ChatGPT to defend themselves against similar lawsuits. So they're kind of jumping in and saying, we feel like we can help, we can beat this and we're going to help you do it too. So I think in 2024, we're going to see some of those lawsuits play out. And I think it's really going to set a precedent for how we approach AI in the art space. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting thing. You know, you there's so much potential for art, like you mentioned, in AI. We can do whatever we want. We can create these things out of our mind. But there is also a lot of potential for theft. <laughs> so it's like, what what guidelines and what frameworks are we creating around these things to make sure that it's being used, but in a way that doesn't exploit artists? Yeah. So I think that's a conversation that we're still going to be having this year. For sure. I think a, a general theme of everything we've talked about is how fast it's moving, how fast mm-hmm. it moved from you know 2022 when people first kind of started dipping their toes in to last year when it became more of a part of our daily life and in the news cycle to yeah. then this year. Do, do you have any bold predictions for the end of 2024 to see where we'll get in about uh, 11 months or so? So... There's this company called Humane that launched this AI pin, right? And a lot of us had a lot of thoughts on it. I think some people were in awe, some people were confused. And for people who don't know, this AI pin is something you can put on your body and you can use hand gestures to operate it. So I think that by the end of this year, we're going to see a lot more folks wearing or walking around with wearable AI products. And we're going to be walking around just like we used to remember with the Bluetooth headsets and people being in grocery stores 
walking up and yep. down the aisle, talking really <laughs> loudly and everybody being like, oh my God, this is so obnoxious. I could see at the end of the year, just AI products just becoming more integrated and us just using them and, and kind of changing our behavior, you know, using our hands more to look at what's on our phone versus like an Apple watch. So my bold prediction is AI wearable products. Wow. AI wearable products. That's mm -hmm. that's fascinating. You know, I mean, there have been a lot of wearable products that have uh, tried and failed, notably your Google glasses, your Snapchat glasses. Yep. Apple Watch seems to be, or watches in general, seem to be the only one that sticks. kind of still kicking. Yeah. And they're getting, they're getting a lawsuit for that actually right now. But otherwise, I mean, that's a very, very interesting prediction to see if people will actually, well, first of all, if people will adopt AI in such a way that they allow it to be in their everyday life and then also decide to wear an AI product. That is fascinating. And I wonder what company or person will be the first to develop something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Martina. It's been such a pleasure to talk to you. And we are going to hang out with you a lot more this year to get a lot more AI updates. And I hope that sounds good to you. Yes, that sounds great. I'm happy to come back. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. That is going to do it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into The Hustle Daily Show. We are a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Ezra Truppiano, and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. And if you're not subscribed, go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email. Happy New Year, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.